I think what's so great about occasions like this is that for many of us in this room, we remember when we were baptized. Any of you remember that? We remember telling our story, remember what happened to us. And I think when you, when you hear stories like we've heard th- this morning and, and like on the screen there, and, and especially that song as well, Amazing Grace, we, we remember what has happened to us. And I want to say to you, if you've been baptized and you know that you were once lost, but now you're found, you were blind, but now you see, celebrate that. Be so thankful this morning. Be so thankful that you've had that experience in your life. But it may be that there are some of you here this morning and you think, I don't get all this. I've heard their stories. I've seen that on on there and listened to all that, but I don't get that. I want just for a few minutes just to talk to you about something that I think is really important for us to think about. And then we're going to sing that great song together, Amazing Grace. And then we're going to baptize these five amazing people this morning. Okay, so just a few minutes. You know, uh, rescue missions are really, really inspiring. The end of the Second World War in 1945, there were 121 volunteer U.S. Army Rangers that went into the jungle in the Philippines to rescue 500 prisoners of war that were stuck there in that jungle. In July 1956, an Italian luxury liner collided with another ship and 1,500 people were rescued off that ship. In 1970, if you don't remember what happened, you might have seen the film, the Apollo 13 rocket launched into space and just 56 hours later after takeoff suffered an explosion and the film depicts the team in the, in the space and the team on the ground working together to rescue the crew and to bring them home. In January 2009, Flight 1549 cleared takeoff at New York's LaGuardia Airport. Then, just after a few minutes in the air, uh, collided with a flock of geese. And you might remember, if you remember that story, how the the pilot crash-landed the plane on the Hudson River, saving, rescuing all the people that were on board. In April 2010, three Spanish climbers were stranded on the top of Everest, 23,000 feet above sea level. A helicopter pilot winched them off, making it the highest helicopter rescue in history. Rescue missions are really, really inspiring. But I want you to know the greatest rescue mission ever is why we celebrate Easter. When God came to earth at Christmas time, that's what we celebrate. But when he grew to be a man, when he went into Jerusalem, as we've heard about this morning, when he died on the cross and when he rose again, he did that because it's the greatest rescue mission in the history of the world. Jesus put it this way, for the Son of Man, that's a reference to himself, he said, came to seek and save the lost. In other words, he came on a rescue mission to seek and save the lost. Here's the problem. The first thing though, in order to be rescued, you've got to realize you're lost. Let me take you on a little, sto- a little journey, okay? And imagine if any of you, have, uh, as I start to say a few words, any of you ever identify with this. There's a man and a woman in a car and you're going to somewhere you've never been to before. The woman says, I think we're lost. The man says, I'm not lost. The woman says, we really are lost. The man says, I'm not, anyone identify what I'm saying, okay? You see, in order to be rescued, you've got to admit that you're lost. You've got to acknowledge that you're lost. As Jesus rode into Jerusalem and the crowd was singing, Hosanna, save us, save us. A few days later, the same crowd said, Jesus, crucify him. So how could they go from Jesus save us to Jesus crucify us? How they did, they didn't know they were lost. They were expecting something else from Jesus than what he was bringing. He was bringing a rescue mission and they didn't realize that they were lost. See, I think the more you have, own or possess, the less likely you are to know that you need a saviour. And what often happens is that even when you know you need a saviour, you might not ask for help or receive it. 
You know, I've sat with many, many people and it's like I can see them drowning. And I want to say to them, here's a lifeline, here's a rope. And yet they won't take it and pull, and pull themselves out. I've sat with marriages and the marriage is drowning. And I'm like, I really, there's a, some, there's a way that this marriage can be saved. And yet they won't admit it and they won't receive it and they won't take it. Because you've got to know that you're lost. And you've also got to understand that a saviour will come, but you've got to take it yourself. And I think what can often happen is there's also got to be some unlearning when it comes to understanding God's salvation as well. You know, in the Jewish mindset, when they hear the word salvation, they hear the word rescue because it means rescue. But in the Jewish mindset, for them, God would save them from the circumstances that they didn't want to be in. So that could be sickness. It could be uh, debt. Uh, primarily, it will be God will save us from the oppression of other people. So in the time of Moses, it was the oppression of the Egyptians. In the time of David, it was the oppression from the Philistines. In the time of Jesus, it was oppression from the Romans. And when they hear the word save or rescue or salvation, they think rescue from circumstances. Non-Jewish people, okay, Gentiles is the, is the technical word. That's the rest of us. Our misunderstanding is that we think that salvation is just rescue from uh, the consequences of our personal sin so that we go to heaven when we die. Listen, salvation is much more than all of that. Salvation is rescue from a life of disconnection from God. Whenever we get disconnected from the life that God has for us, we all need rescue. And you may be a Christian this morning and you may have been baptised, but you know right now as I begin to talk and as you begin to watch and listen and sing, you know right now that actually something has caused you to lose that connection with God and you need rescue again. It's not just a one-off thing. It's a continual way of living in relationship with God. Jesus said, I've come that you'd have life and life in all its fullness. And there's lots of things that can separate us and disconnect us from the life that God has for us. See, one day Jesus is walking down the road and he sees this, this guy. And the Bible describes this guy as rich, young, ruler. Isn't that what everyone wants, those three things? Rich, to be rich, to be young, to be powerful. And he looked at this guy and this guy said, Jesus, I want to follow you. And Jesus looked at him and he looked into his heart and he said, okay, sell everything you've got and give it to the poor. Now, he never said that to anyone else. So if you've got lots of money this morning, Jesus didn't say that to everybody. He only said it to this one man. Why did he say it to the one man? Because he knew that wealth was what was disconnecting him from the life that God had for him. To another, another situation, he met this woman and they began to have a conversation. She had a conversation about water. They were sat by a well. And then he began to move the conversation from water to relationships. Why did he do that? Because he could see into her heart and he could see that she went from one relationship to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. She was looking for life, but she was looking in the wrong way and in the wrong place. And he said, unless you give up on the relationship thing, you'll never experience the life. Because that's what's disconnecting you from the life that I've got for you. And time and time again, Jesus went and he saw where it was and the issue that was disconnecting people from the life that God had for them. Jesus says, I've come that you'd have life and life in all its fullness. So in order to be rescued, you've got to realize you're lost. You're disconnected from the life of God. But the second thing is, you've got to realize that you need someone to save you. You need someone to rescue. Many years ago, I was in my early 30s and me and a friend of mine were invited to go and to speak on a Christian skiing holiday. It's a tough life. It's a tough life. And so we prayed about it. No, we didn't. We just went. Uh, no, we just went. And uh, we're doing this skiing holiday. And one of the things about me is that the skiing's fine. The teaching's fine. I don't do heights. 
Okay, I do really do not do heights. I hate heights. And we're on this ski lift, and we're, and we're both on this, on this ski chair, rather than not ski lift, on a ski chair. And we go up this mountain in the French Alps, and as we're just turning, coming over the other side, we just start to come down. We're really, really high. And at that moment when we're coming down, there's another ski chair coming up opposite us with three young women in it as well. And so there's just two guys, and there's just three young women. I'll never forget it. And... <laughs> Glory. And, uh, and as, as we're coming down like this, the ski lift stopped. The ski chair stopped. And it's like we're waiting. And we waited for a long time. And then the wind kind of came up and the thing started to move. And then it started to bat. And I don't do heights. And my friend loves heights. And he thought it was great. And so he's leaning out the side. And then he starts to sway the chair. Now, I'm trying to be cool because there's three young women over here on the side, okay? And they're starting to scream and cry for their mother. I'm wanting to join them, all right? And, and scream and cry for my mother, but think I've got to try and be cool. And the thing is swinging like this, and then all of a sudden it starts to move. And little bit by little bit, it inched its way down, and we got into the, the thing at the bottom. And then there's a French guy who had manually cranked the whole thing and brought us down. I got off the ski chair, and I wanted to kiss the French man. I was so relieved, because I knew that I was stuck, and I needed someone else to come and help me. And when you are lost, you've got to A, admit that you're lost, and know that you're disconnected from the life of God. And then you've got to understand that you've got to have a Savior, and that's Jesus. And what's so amazing is that the third thing is that not only do you know that you're lost, not only do you know you need to save you, but then when he offers you the way out, you've got to take it. And I don't know what is separating you or what is disconnecting you this morning from the life that God has for you. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's worry. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's gadgets. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's the bottle. Maybe it's, I don't know what it is. And, and you know, when that disconnects you from the life that God has for you, you need rescue. And the amazing thing is that Jesus says, it says in John 1 about Jesus, to all who believe him and accept him, he gives the right to become children of God. That's amazing, isn't it? And you know, here's the incredible thing for us this morning. When you receive salvation, these five folks that we're going to baptize in a minute, they've received that rescue. You know, they've all said that there was a moment in their life and the three guys before, in fact, the three guys that we baptized at the first, two of them were in their 50s who only have come to faith in the last few months. They've lived, they've lived 50 years without knowing God at all, without believing in God. One of them said he was, he was an atheist, thought science was the answer up until a few months ago. They came to a point when they realized that they were lost. They didn't know it at the time, but they came to a point when they realized they were lost. They came to a point when they realized that they needed a savior, but then they had to come to a point when they received that gift of rescue. And these folks that are being baptized today, they've not only received that gift of rescue, but now they've become part of God's rescue mission. You know, the hymn that we're about to sing in a few minutes was written by a guy called John Newton. And John Newton lived hundreds of years ago in the 18th century, and he was a sailor. He was a bad sailor. He was a really, really bad sailor. He was a sailor on a slave ship. And then he was promoted and he became captain of this slave ship, carrying hundreds of people from Africa to the West Indies and to America and to Europe. And uh, he was away from God uh, in every which way. And then there came a moment when he knew that he was lost. There came a moment when he knew he needed rescue. And there came a moment when he received the rescue that God offered him. And then after that, he became an Anglican priest. And you don't have to become an Anglican priest or a vicar or anything. But he did. 
But then he became friendly with a young politician called William Wilberforce. And he so inspired this young politician called William Wilberforce that he was instrumental in getting a bill passed through Parliament with, for the abolition of slavery. John Newton, who was once lost, who wrote this incredible hymn that we're about to sing, became part of God's rescue mission. That's amazing. And all these five folks and the three before at the first service, they've been rescued. They've been saved. They were once lost. Now they're found. They were once blind. Now they see. Now they get to become part of God's great rescue mission. A guy called Tim Keller writes this. The rescue mission of Jesus was and is to restore justice to the oppressed and the marginalized, physical wholeness to the diseased and the dying, community to the isolated and lonely, and spiritual joy and connection to those isolated from God. When you receive rescue from God, you become part of God's rescue mission for the world. You know, we've only got one life to live. And some of these guys are young, like Kizzy and Clara and Naomi. You're really young, but some of us are a little bit older. We would say, it goes like that. It really does, all right? I'm sorry to depress you, but it really does. Okay, in fact, it's even quicker than... No, it's not, I'm joking. But the reality is we've only got one life to live. And when you know that you need rescue and when you receive the rescue of God, you then get to join God in his rescue mission for planet Earth. There is nothing better than that. Isn't that right? And so we're going to celebrate with you as you get baptized. And I want to say a few things as I finish. If you've known the truth of what these guys are experiencing and you've experienced it in your life, be thankful to God today. Thank God for your rescue. Thank God for your salvation. Thank God that you received that gift that he offered you. But maybe you are a Christian, but you know right now that there is something that is disconnecting you from the life that God has for you. You can do something about it today. You know, at the end of our service, we have a prayer room there. We'd love to pray for any of you that want prayer. Maybe you think, do you know what? Fear or anxiety or worry or something has got lodged in me somehow and is disconnecting me from the life that God has for me and you need rescue. We'd love to pray for you for that. But maybe this morning you say, do you know what? I'm not sure what you guys are all on about. I've come, maybe you've come to, to, to watch a family member or a friend get baptized and you've heard their story, you've heard what I've said and, and you've listened to the songs and maybe you're like, I don't get it. You know, maybe you could, maybe you're not ready to say a big yes to God, but maybe you could say a little yes. And that little yes might be, do you know what? I'll come back. You heard this morning from some of the folks, you know, they heard something and they came back. And they went to something else. They went to Alpha. They went to another event. They came back. A little yes means you just want to find out a little bit more. You don't, you don't lose anything when you find out a little bit more, but you might discover more than you realize. So we're going to pray. And then we're going to sing this incredible song that's been sung all the way through the last 300 years if the band could come back. And then, and then what's going to happen is we're going to baptize these folks. So why don't we pray together? God, we want to thank you this morning for the incredible power of story. God, the stories that we've heard. And God, rescue missions are inspiring. Seeing 69 people come, or 33 people come out of a, a, a mine that they're trapped in for 69 days. God, seeing people coming out of space rockets when they're stranded in space. God, people rescued from prisoner of war camps. They're inspiring. But God, we've heard this morning some really inspiring stories of people who once were lost, but now they're found. Who once were blind, but now they see. And God, when we get rescue from you, God, we become part of your rescue mission. So Father, if there's any of us this morning and we're disconnected right now from the life that you have for us. God, I pray that we would know it. I pray we'd admit it. And I pray that we'd look to you. And I pray we'd receive rescue from you this morning.
And so, Father, now as we sing this incredible song, God, I just pray for just a sense of your presence and your spirit. And then when we watch these five people get baptized, God, we know that we'll celebrate. But your word says that all of heaven celebrates when one person is saved, when one person is rescued, when one person comes home. And so, God, we want to join in with heaven and we want to celebrate with you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand? Let's stand. Let's sing.